You are listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, a Canadian guide to building dependable wealth. Join your hosts, Richard Canfield and Jason Lowe, as they unlock the secrets to creating financial peace of mind in an uncertain world. Discover the strategies and mindsets to a financial future that you can bank on. Well, we're excited today to have an incredible podcast interview with the amazing Brittany Anderson of Sweet Financial. She is an absolute enigma. And we connected recently through an introduction, of course, through the multiple networks of Strategic Coach and the Genius Network. And we just have such a a wonderful conversation we're going to have because she's up to some very big things. And we're very aligned in how we want to help educate the marketplace in North America about how to take control over their financial life. Brittany, we're so excited to have you joining us on Wealth Without Bay Street today. Well, I have been absolutely looking forward to this. So I'm excited to be here too. So I'd love to start maybe with walking us through your journey on how you got engaged in the financial space to begin with and what what led you down the path of getting into this type of a career, this type of a business model, and then maybe get us to the point where you're now the partnership that you have. And, you know, there's a book that's come out, you know, that sort of thing recently. And kind of give us the the tale of Brittany along the journey. Yeah. So I promise I won't give all the gory details since birth, but I I did. I grew up with a single mom and with that came some financial struggles with her. So this is where kind of leading into and backing into your main question of why I finally ended up in this field. I remember there was one point in my life where I was about eight years old and I can vividly picture this where I'm standing in the kitchen. I can see clearly into my mom's bedroom. And she's got her checkbook out. She's got bills strewn all over her bed. She had tears just streaming down her face. And at that age, I knew that she didn't know if she was going to be able to keep the roof over her head, keep the lights on, and put food on the table all in the same month. So it was this like pivotal moment in my life where I looked at that and I thought, you know, I am not going to allow any other person's decisions, behaviors, choices affect my future, what my intentions are, and what I want for maybe even my future family, which sounds kind of weird at that age, but I've always been a very much like future thinking, kind of maybe a little bit analytical kid in in the non-traditional sense. So years went on and I was actually going to school for business management. And I was that like proverbial looking back entrepreneur at heart because I had no clue what I wanted to do. I was like in college just because I thought, well, this is what you're supposed to do. You should at least get a degree, bounced between different courses, landed on business management. I was going down the corporate path and was actually managing a jewelry store for a large corporate chain. And I just had this realization one day where I'm like, I can't stand the corporate world. This isn't what I want. I don't like the red tape. I don't like how you can't step outside of the box. And this job ad popped up right around the same time I started having these thoughts. It was for this little company in Southern Minnesota called Sweet Financial. And there was something about it at the time that reflecting back now was absolutely the entrepreneurial nature of being able to serve people and leaning into possibility and helping people not only build wealth and manage it down the road, but to truly create the life that they wanted. So I ended up putting in an application for this job, started in client service, realized I missed leadership. And as time went on, I leaned into, you know, higher roles, kind of worked my way up in the company. And I'm now one of four partners. I actually am partnered with the founder on a couple other different businesses. 
I'm the current president of, of the firm. And, you know, we get the great pleasure of being able to help people realize their dreams every day and pursue possibility and work with people who know what it means to accumulate wealth, put that wealth to work for them in a really cool way. So that is, that's kind of where, where I'm at right now and where I came from. Well, and I'll bet that you ever forget where you came from. Oh, let me tell you, there are so many different circumstances that remind me where I came from. And, and that is so true. I will never forget it. And I think that's part of, you know, what keeps me grounded and what keeps me focused on my own true values. You know, I won't go down this rabbit hole too far, but I've got three little kids and I've got a husband and, and those things are absolutely priority in my life. You know, regardless of how driven I am for my career, those things are, are, are the things that stand out the most. I can relate to your experience that you shared and thank you for being open and vulnerable and sharing that it's because that's what really shapes who we are as we reach adulthood and we start families of our own. And I went through a very similar experience with both of my parents. And it was during that period in the early 1980s when inflation skyrocketed. And I I was just a toddler at the time. And, you know, my parents almost lost everything and, and they always argued about money. And for my sister and I, that was an incredibly painful experience to go through because as a child, you, you know that something's wrong with mom and dad and you're, you're not understanding why aren't they getting along and why, why aren't things like maybe what your friends were experiencing and you thought, you know, everything was, you know, going great in their families and they always had food in the fridge and they always had, you know, the lights on and, and the heat on. And when you go through that, that follows you. And, and it, it sharpens your, your, I guess, your resolve in wanting to, to be of service to other people, especially I would imagine when you're dealing with families that have young children and maybe they're, they're just getting started on their financial journey and you want to help equip them, you know, to, to shield themselves from going through a similar experience. And so really appreciate you sharing that. Um, and, and I can definitely relate. I, I, I know where you're coming from when you reflect back on your past and, kind of bring that to your future and how you can be of service to others. That's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's interesting because, you know, when I think about the the clients that we serve at Sweet Financial Partners, one of the biggest things we hear, because we're often working with people who, you know, they've either had a liquidity event in their business or they're at that retirement age. You know, maybe they've had a C-suite type position where they've had power and authority and all these things. When you really get to the bottom of, of what they want most, They're like, we want our next generation to feel supported and to feel like they have people that understand where they're at. So they're like, we're good. (laughs) You know, we trust you. We're good up here. But they're asking for that next generation, which is a testament to what you just said. So, yeah, yeah. Really, really able to help. Tell us about the book. Oh, the book. So this is actually, which is crazy to think about. This is our fifth book. So we just launched, it would be in, well, June of 2022, depending upon when you're listening to this, just launched Dream Architecture. And I will say up there to date, it is one of our most prized value-added piece that we've put out there. We were able to hit Amazon bestseller lists and we've had just continued uh, amazing support and commentary on how it's helping people. So the whole framework is essentially, you know, it's really about helping people to realize possibility by taking action in their life. So 
things like paying attention to who you have in your corner. You know, I can see you've got who, not how behind you there, Jason. So playing off of, you know, Ben Hardy's principles and Dan Sullivan's principles, and that actually came from Dean Jackson initially, a brilliant marketer, and, and really helping bring that to life for people that may not know about those brilliant entrepreneurs and what that value looks like. So talking a lot about who they're putting in their corner, where they're focusing their attention, You know, you guys know just as well as I do that the media is not exactly a fun place to get your information. It is doom and gloom and everything's horrible and the world is coming to an end. And our whole mission with the book is like, let's put valuable content out that will lift people up and inspire them to shut the news off and take control of their future by actually like tactical like advice that they can implement today. So you could tell I get all hyped up about this topic, but it's just such a, uh, it's been such a great tool for us. And it's been such a great, I guess, opportunity for us to see the value that it's added to people's lives. In addition to what you just said, if you think about the breakthroughs that you've had in your own life and Richard, yourself included, if you think about the breakthroughs that you've had in your life, I'll bet that it had something to do with having an open mind. And you wouldn't likely not have achieved those breakthroughs if your mind was closed. And so if you, like our late mentor, R. Nelson Nash, expressed to us often that there's no such thing as having arrived in knowledge. Mm -hmm. Well, I also believe that there's no such thing as having arrived in dreaming. There's always something new to pursue. There's always something new that will bring out more of your potential that you can go after in life. And so I love the, I love the platform uh, of, you know, being the architect of your, of your dreams and, and going out and achieving a bigger future than, than your past. And, and you and I both know, I mean, through Dan Sullivan and him helping us to rethink our thinking, you control all those elements, you control the past, the present and the future. So be pretty, pretty careful what you feed each one of them. Mm. It's it's so dead on. And, you know, I think this is such an important narrative to pull out. And I want to say this because I think there's so many things that tie into a person's wealth. And, and you know, we're at a point right now, myself and, and the founder of Sweet Financial, Brian Sweet, we're at a point where we're like, let's help people redefine what wealth means. Mm. And I think that if you're really leaning mm. into what a productive fulfilled future looks like, you have to control the narrative of what your current and past situation was. And there's something that that I, can, I wish I could remember so I could give it proper credit, but I was reading something recently and it was talking about how we all have narratives of our past, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have certain things that have happened in my life, like with my dad, you know, I was a daddy's girl for a long time, found out that he maybe wasn't everything that I thought he was. There was some major friction, really, really rough stuff that I went through with him. And, you know, for a long time, I held like anger and some animosity and he ended up passing away a few years ago. And at one point after I had read this, it was talking about how, you know, if you hold on to anger and animosity and you know, a scarcity mindset for your past, right? Like for the things that have happened, it is going to hold you back from pursuing possibility in the future. So again, if you're thinking about creating that wealthy life, that life that truly plays into opportunity and collaboration and connection, you've got to reframe the things that you think about from your past. So for me, I now look at 
You know, my dad was a gregarious guy. He was one of those people that could talk to anybody and he was likable. And I'm like, I have some of those qualities and I get them from him and from my mother, but it's pulling the things that were good without, you know, you know, you can't ignore some of the hurt, but you can definitely control the narrative. So, you know, I think that's such a powerful thing to talk about. And I think people should should focus a little bit more on on their own narratives and the things they think about and the stories they tell themselves. So true. It goes to the productive and fulfilled future that you identified. And then and then you you talked earlier about how at this stage of the game at Sweet Financial, you're helping a lot of people, whether they've had a business exit, but they're at a they're at a transitionary phase in life. They're moving on to a new, a new, maybe undiscovered territory of their life, both financially and and with 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 the work activity that they've been accustomed to. They're thinking a lot about the next generation, how to raise and build and pull them up. So their fulfillment is being retargeted now to to that aspect. But then there's also the necessary aspect of that productive feeling. And, you know, I know I can speak for myself that when I know or I feel that I can look back at my day or my week and I say, wow, like, look at all the things that got accomplished. And it's not so much of checking things off a list so much as it is a feeling that you've been able to leave or make some kind of an impact. And if you can now channel that, you know, I think people, whether they have a business and they're exiting the business, there's, there's, for many, they often lose what that purpose was and they, and they, and they, they're trying to find it again. So what I think I'm hearing you saying, and just correct me if I'm wrong, is that that's one of the directions and, and really maybe part of the, some of the, the, the themes running through the book, the dream architecture for people in that stage of life that you're trying to help them discover how to maintain that productive energy, that positive mo- momentum. And then also strive for fulfillment. Yeah, you know you're you're dead on, and you know really part of what we're creating and part of the story in the book, and you know the platform that we're working on right now. If you think about it, when people are accumulating wealth, you know, especially let's really think about like the business owner, the entrepreneur, <laughs> they get to a point in their life where money isn't the chase anymore. It's like the, you, the whole saying and Joe Polish, you know, creator, founder of Genius Network, he, he talks about this all the time. Like anybody who says like they don't want to make any more money is, is full of it, right? Like yep. Yep. you want to create value and you want to receive for that value too. So let's just put that where it is. But here's the thing is people get to a certain point and that's no longer a primary objective in their lives. And there's this theme that we started seeing on, you know, some of the most successful people that we've worked with or known in entrepreneurial groups is there's these gaps that are missing or like pillars of life that we see. So now we're really helping people pivot and saying, okay, so your purpose, your identity was tied to what you've done for so long, right? You were important. People were picking up the phone for you. And now all of a sudden there's this pivot where you don't have that thing anymore. You don't have that identity anymore that you were tied to. So you have to redefine what your purpose is. And that can be super dangerous if people don't pay attention to that because essentially then then what, right? Like what's next? What's left? So we're seeing this call for purpose. And tied to that, one of these other pillars is legacy. And it's interesting because a lot of times when you start talking to somebody about legacy, the first kind of knee-jerk reaction is, oh, yeah, I've got a solid estate plan. I've had some conversations with my kids. And it's like, well, that's not legacy. Like legacy is participating right now in what will be left behind when you do go. So how do you participate in your own legacy now? And then, you know, a couple of the things that we're seeing too, it's like people 
crave experiences. They crave access. When they've got the money to support the life, they want to know what they've been missing out on. And, and then the other pillar, and I know from you guys and your work with Dan Sullivan, you know he's a huge proponent of this, but we're pulling in health and longevity. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it with money, I mean, health, wealth, th- there are these two things that are almost becoming like synonymous in some ways. So helping people do, be proactive in their health, introducing them to people who are focused on longevity and, you know, bring, I guess, um, uh, professionals, resources to people that they may not hear about in the traditional sense. So it really is this pillar of, hey, you've gotten to this point, you've created this level of success. Let's redefine what wealth means and make sure that none of these gaps are left open. Yeah. And uh, I can relate to what you're saying, because when, when you engage in a discussion that revolves around the, the word legacy, people immediately start looking at the stockpile of things. These are the things that I'm going to leave behind that will somehow create or manifest itself in the form of a legacy, whether that's money, possessions, it's just stuff. What are you going to transfer in the way of knowledge? What are you going to transfer in the way of knowledge so that it has an impact on the people that you love and care for the most in a very lasting way, which will enable them? to pursue their, their dreams and, and enable them to transfer that knowledge to the generation that comes after them. And that's where I think the conversation in the, and you know this, having been around the, uh, the advisor community is that it's, it's incredibly transactional around, let's go ahead and take an inventory of everything that you plan to leave behind. And we somehow put that into a basket named legacy. Like, my goodness, there couldn't be, they couldn't be any further separated. You know, there should be a basket named, these are the things I plan to leave behind. And then the basket named legacy should be filled with knowledge. And it should be filled with well-intentioned wishes that you have for the people that you love and care about the most. And the point that you made earlier around recognizing that with your own late father, and we're very sorry for your loss and I've lost both my parents. I can, I can relate. And you picked up on a lot of really good characteristics from, from your late father and gratitude is not a one-sided coin. It's not, Hey, you can only be grateful for the things that have gone really, really well in your life. If you can, if you can turn that coin over and feel really, truly feel gratitude for the things that didn't go well. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. You're just so much more of a well-rounded, well-grounded person because you rose above, you rose above that. And, and you, that's, that's the, the beauty of, and again, credit to Dan Sullivan. That's the beauty of being able to, to decide. You get to decide what you bring into the future with you and what you leave behind from your past. And you've decided to bring the good into your future, a bigger future. And so these are the conversations that we have to be having more often with the people that we're privileged to serve. Because Mm -hmm. who knows, most people that we serve, we haven't walked half a block in their shoes, let alone a mile. And so let's have these conversations and get them really truly thinking about what, what the real essence of legacy actually is. 
and not some checklist in, in a financial plan. It's, it's just, that's just so shallow. It, it really is. And, you know, Jason, there's this song lyric that I heard and it's a really popular song, but I'm trying to think of who the artist is. But anyways, it goes something like, you know, there's two times that you die. The first time when you leave this earth and the second time when the last person utters your name. And I mean, I, I'm just, you know, I'm like rocking out, working out, doing my thing. And all of a sudden that lyric hit me and I was like, wait a second, that is legacy. Yeah. If you really think about this and it goes into that knowledge play that you're, you're thinking about. And let's just take Dan Sullivan, for example. People are going to be using Dan's material, advice, commentary, thought process, everything Dan Sullivan for years to come, long beyond when he physically, his body leaves this earth. So if you think about that knowledge play that you're bringing up here, it's so powerful and so important for people to really, truly think about that. Like, what impact are you leaving that's going to change a generation, an industry, you know, general thought, you know, how people act, those different things. Those are the things that people should be focused on when you think about that lasting legacy. Any of us can follow a checklist. Any of us can hire an estate planning attorney and get those documents all in place. But not all of us are going to have that impact. And if you think about that from maybe a little bit of a morbid perspective, you know, do something more so that that day that you leave this earth isn't the last time that your impact exists. Well, and, and the legacy, most people are associated with some period of time when they're gone. And, you know, from, from our mentor, Nelson, you know, one of the things he would do in his seminars, he would, you know, he would talk about how, the, how joyous it was to be able to watch his kids grow a business. Yeah. And he talked about that business specifically in them understanding his principles of becoming your own banker. And they, you know, he, he would have them, he would lease cars from them or, and they bought him three airplanes over his lifetime and he would make payments to them, but he's really, it was just a way for him to transfer his wealth while alive to them in a tax efficient manner. He got the write off, he got to use it for business. And he said, I also get the joy of watching them grow a business. And, you know, he, he built up this, this, this asset base of insurance contracts. And when Nelson passed away, but we're coming up on the third year here, I believe soon when he passed away, there were 17 death benefit checks paid out tax-free, but he, there's also 28 policy contracts that are cash value assets that are still enforced today that he started during his own lifetime on multiple bodies, multiple people. So he's, he's passing now a, a multi-generational asset base, but he, but he got to pass the, the understanding of the utilization of it through through actual acts and through through recurring you know themes of of travel vacations and all the opportunities that present themselves in life that integrate you with your family aspect and 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 you know pulling that back to hey this is the this was the source that created all this make sure that you kind of always bring it back to the source so so i think you know i think when i think about legacy these days i always come back to to nelson as our mentor and what are the things that he did? What is the, the method and the way that he showed up while he was alive? And how, does that gonna, how is that continuing to, to transpose itself forward into time? You know, and, and with what you're saying there too, you know, what a blessing to have people like you guys who are continuing on that legacy and how smart for him to be able to set that up and create that path so that those lessons go beyond his family goes beyond his immediate reach and it actually spills over 
into, you know, a multitude of families and for generations and generations to come. So what a what a blessing for so many people that that that's what he chose and that's his definition of legacy and and to see that carried carried forward is is it's beautiful. It is. And going back to you to your latest book, book number five, what is you know, what would be one of the key teaching moments that you want people to grasp from the book? You know, I, I know I kind of pulled on this or, or touched on this a little bit before, but the common theme, and, and I'll say this, that this is probably the most commented on component of the book. It's truly the, the, the people in your life and just how impactful that can be. Specifically, making sure that you are creating space away from the naysayers. You know, and I think this is such a great thing, especially for the entrepreneurial mind. I will tell you, I have got really great people in my life, people that have great hearts, love them dearly, but they don't get me. Yeah, we're quirky. Right. We're weird. The world looks at us as being strange. Yes, the weird (laughs) unicorns, right? Like, you know, so it's one of those things where people so often hold back on what they truly want and what their greatest potential is because they have too many people in their life that are telling them it's silly, it's not worth it, what are you thinking, that's ridiculous, that's impossible. You know, those kind of words people are hearing and and they're listening. And, And that's a big, big problem. And that's a catalyst for great disaster. So I think that's one of the key points and one of the teaching moments of the book is that you really have to do this gut check assessment on, you know, who are the people in your life that when you come up with with your crazy idea or something that you're super passionate about or that big dream you have for your future, you know, you want people that support it. They can still challenge you and they can help you really think through it, but you want people who are on your side and who aren't telling you that that you can't do something or that, you know, it's silly or it's ridiculous or it's out of reach. So I think that's one thing because even, I mean, the the smartest entrepreneurs out there still battle this, right? Like it's not like you ever escape this. We've all got people in our life that for whatever reason, we haven't decided to completely eliminate them from our lives, but you can create distance and you can create space and you can create mechanisms to help you get back on track if you start falling into the naysayers that can kind of throw you off base. So I think that's something that if if people didn't get anything else out of the book, I think that is such a great thing when thinking about what pursuing possibility means. It's pretty stinking hard to do it if you got a bunch of people in your life that are telling you you can't. Absolutely. And I would, gosh, I would just say that is that is such an important, important teaching moment that you just shared. Because if you if you choose to surround yourself with people who will absolutely never tolerate loathing, whining, complaining, excuses, who will hold you accountable and do it in coming from a place of really wanting to see you grow and, and seeing potential in you, the impact that that has on your life and, and the people who are alongside you that you care about the most, is mm-hmm. in, it's incalculable. But you can calculate the impact of hanging around with the people who will tolerate the loathing and the whining and the complaining and the excuses and all of that. You can definitely calculate what the impact of that is going to be. You're going to become stagnant. Mm. And you may even 
worse, you may even end up going backward in your life. And I'll tell you, it's uh, the most uplifting moments are those when somebody is saying, listen, you're better than this. You've got far, far more potential. And your idea, while it may sound, your dream, while it may sound insurmountable in the moment, I believe in you. Go get it. And, and here are some great who's that have the capabilities to help you get that, that dream achieved. Wow. How does that make you feel? Like just in the moment right now, I feel amped up. It's like, let's go, let's go do something. Let's go get that who. (laughs) Yeah. And so I I just love that the context of this, of this book and and the message that you're trying to get out there, it's inspiring and it's awesome. I I can't wait to read it personally. I sincerely appreciate that. And I'll bring this to real life too. Like this isn't just lip service and I'll use myself as the example here. I, at a really young age, young 20, lower 20s, I was in a marriage that was really, really bad. And he was not the nicest of humans, had some narcissistic tendencies, very emotionally abusive. And I think because of so many things that I had accepted in my life up to that point, I was accepting that relationship. And it's amazing. Like there was one day, and I won't, I won't go too deep in this, but there was one day where I, I woke up and literally it was like a light switch went off. And I was like, this isn't, what am I doing? This is not the life that I want. And this isn't even who I am. I would look in the mirror and I would see somebody that wasn't me, not not me and who I truly am. And I felt like I had to be this other person to fit into the mold of what was expected of me in that relationship. And so, so often people will ask like, well, what if it's my spouse that's the naysayer? What if it's my parent? What if it's my kid? What if it's my business partner? People that are super, super close. And I am by no means a marriage counselor, therapist, anything of the sort. But I will say that when I made that pivotal moment or that that pivotal, pivotal choice in that moment to leave that marriage, I can tell you that my life has catapulted upwards in the most positive way that I couldn't have even imagined that my life would have been if I was looking back at that time or I was in that moment. So again, I'm not saying, you know, if you have a, a, a tough relationship, maybe divorce isn't for you. Maybe there's other options. Maybe you can get the help you need or whatever. But for me, I can literally say I am living proof of letting go of a naysayer, of a negative kind of source in my life and what that did for my future. So I just think that's something that that people can relate to. You know, 50% of marriages end in divorce. So it's something that it's not just lip service. It's things that myself and business partner, Brian, we've experienced. We, we've had and dealt with firsthand. And we just want to make people aware that it doesn't have to be that way. Mm. Kudos to you for having the courage, for, for mustering up the courage to, to take that progressive step forward in your life. And, and it happens all the time. And, and the opposite happens too, where sadly people stay in relationships that are really not serving either partner well. Mm-hmm. And so kudos to you for having the courage to take that step. Thank you. I, I know being in my very early 20s, actually late teens, and I got exposed to personal development very early on. And it was a real catalyst because I was, I was one of those negative energy type people. And it was, you know, from working like basically like a rented mule for most of my, my life, that's all I really knew and understood. And a lot of that really, when you tie it back, it actually had to do with, you know, similar experiences of money problems with, you know, the family and just, you know, trying to make ends meet and, you know, needing to help out as much as possible. 
But, you know, when I, when I got into a personal development room, it was very by accident that it happened. And, uh, you know, it led me down a really interesting path of growth and meeting wonderful, amazing people, many of which I still communicate with to this day. And, uh, you know, it, it really opened my eyes to the fact that you can change your outlook on the world. And it's all about how you think and think about the world. And maybe I didn't have it in those words, but it, the, the connection, you know, was, was started to formulate there. You know, we, there's points in time where we slip back into some of these moments or, or an old habit maybe resurfaces. But when you are surrounded by people that are, you know, like we're talking about the strategic coach organization, the genius network and, and other associated type of groups, or, or you're around a team of people where the culture is, is in, in the right way that it supports and it lifts you up. Even if you have those feelings, they get, they get pushed out of the way really quickly because of that, that force of nature of other people, they, they raise you up to, to whatever circumstance is happening in life. And that's a really, really important thing to recognize. And, and so and I think it was Kiyosaki that talked about that you're the makeup of the top five people you spend your time with. And, you know, his focus, I think, was on the financial aspect of things. And that's that is true. But it, it's not just limited to that. It's also in the emotional and the and the and the whether it's a negativity or positivity. So, again, if you took a measure of the top five people you spend the most time with, how does that show up in these other areas of your life and how does it you know intersect with you? And so. If you want to have more positivity, if you want to have more growth thinking, more ambitious thinking, if you want to have more prosperity mindset, start to position yourself to be around people who are like that. And that's where an organization like Strategic Coach comes in, or again, the Genius Network or, you know, Abundance 360 with Peter Diamandis. These are organizations and people that are thinking about what the possibility of the future that they can build this year, next year, and 25 years from now and beyond. And they're setting hair, crazy, hairy, audacious goals that by all accounts should be to some degree ludicrous, mm. but they're not. And the reason they're not is because they have the belief and the, the, they know that even if it doesn't happen in their lifetime, if they can inspire enough people to rise to the occasion of what this thing is, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the thing that keeps you know, rolling through my head right now. And it's a little bit of like the science behind what you're talking about here, because you're dead on. And we actually reference that in the book, being the product of the five people that you spend the most time with and how it's not just related to money. It's related to, to every element. But I, I think about, you know, our brain is literally wired to look for things that we are putting in front of it. Look for the evidence that we're telling it. So your retic reticular activating system, your RAS, you know, if you're feeding it with constant opportunity and people that are achieving things that most would think impossible, and you're being intentional about exposing yourself, be it through personal development or entrepreneurial resources and groups and different things like that, all of a sudden, your brain is wired to look for additional evidence of possibility and opportunity and growth and abundance and all of that cool stuff. All so day long. All day long, all day long. So while the person who's not focused on that and is thinking about, you know, the doom and gloom of the news and the world coming to an end and recession and bad times and political stuff and, oh my gosh, that's what they're finding evidence of every day. So literally another great takeaway, we talk about this in the book too, is like whatever you're feeding your mind is what it is going to find evidence of. So why not put positivity, opportunity, brilliant people, you know, people who are thinking about and and creating value in ways that are, you know, insurmountable. You can't even like you, you can't even put a value on it. 
but you're surrounding yourself with those types of things, that's what you're going to find more evidence of. That's what creates a fulfilled life. And that's what creates more opportunity for you. So, so I, I just think that's it's so, so such good stuff. Being, being the master chef of your thinking. And so when you start really? preparing, when you start preparing the recipe, choose your ingredients wisely. Because it's, so <laughs> it's either going to taste good or it's going to taste awful. You're the master chef. You get to decide. And, and that analogy alone, being so ridiculously simple to commit to memory, when, when you find yourself maybe leaning into, we're human, we're fallible. You get up on the wrong side of the bed. You, somebody says something to you that, you know, triggers irritability or tension or and, and you can, you have a choice, you have a choice. And, and I find myself personally, and, and this may sound a little corny, but I find myself personally just saying, well, wait a second, do not allow that ingredient to get into the recipe of your thinking today, get that ingredient out and, and replace it with an ingredient that's going to uplift you and, and going to make you feel better about the day ahead. And I'm curious, and I'm sure Richard is too, and our, our viewers and listeners What's your big dream that you're pursuing right now? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So this is a loaded question because I, again, I, there's, there's very few ideas that I find that I don't love and get excited about, but I'll say it's, it's twofold and there's really, it ties together and there's a waterfall effect. So for me, when I look at the impact that we've been able to make in the wealth planning world you know, really being able to put these additional resources or these additional pillars that we've talked about here with the health and longevity and, you know, opening people to purpose and legacy and redefining that and creating experiences and opening up the world to people that maybe wouldn't have otherwise been exposed. I mean, it's what gets me out of bed in the morning. It's so stinking exciting. So when I think about that dream, it's like, God, how many lives could we impact with that and lives that could potentially be saved because they've found their purpose again, because they focused on preventative care versus reactive care, because they've now found a community of people that maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise to be able to help lift each other up and be those positive avenues for each other. So that is a huge dream of mine to see this come to fruition and to see the impact I mean, it's one of those things where you, you have to ask yourself, like, are you doing something because you want to make money? You want to make impact? What is it? And, and it's one of those things that honestly, if you didn't get paid for it a single day in your life, but you still have a drive towards it, that's meaningful. So I'll say that's that's component number one. But number two, and this is kind of my my next level project. You know, I am constantly surrounded in groups of entrepreneurs by awesome men. And I would love to inspire more women to step into their full potential yeah. in the entrepreneurial world. And here's what I've seen happen too many times is that women will often vice themselves and their own dreams and their own pursuits mm. to be able to appease others. Yeah. So for me, I have three little kids. It would be really easy for me to be like, not right now. I am going to choose, you know, my kids over my career. You know, I see other women who they they want a family and they crave it, and and that's something that's on their radar. But they're like, mm, right now, I'm building my career. My whole hope and dream through all of this and through being an example to other women is to say, you can have it all. You mm. can have it all together. 
it's that perfect imbalance. It's a total juggle struggle, but man, you can do it and you can have it if you live by certain principles. So that's really what the big dream is for me. And leading up to it, it's being an example to them to show them what's possible. That is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Rich, take us home, buddy. Well, today we got to experience all of the, uh, the effervescence of Brittany and her excitement for, for her dream and the, the passion that she has for everything, what they've been able to accomplish with this, this new book and how they're helping people in so many ways. Now, you have much more to give, Brittany, and I know that you're going to give it because you've demonstrated that today. Now, you've just spoken about how you want to make this leadership format for women develop and I, I'm going to venture to guess, I think I know where this is going to go, but we always think about the type of activity that you do as an entrepreneur as showing up in the world as a hero for others, even though you may not know it. And so our question for you today is, who do you most want to be a hero to? Mm, I think it goes back to, to what I just said, and I'm going to back into it in a little bit of a different way. I would say, number one, I want to be hero to those babies that I helped create, right? Like that is so important to me. But I want to do that by inspiring others, other women in particular, to pursue their dreams, to not put themselves on hold and to lean into their own possibilities so that they can accomplish what they were put on this earth to do. So I would say that's my two-folded answer. That's, that's incredible. Brittany, you are amazing. And we, we, we fully support your ambition to want to have more women rise to their potential and to, to prioritize themselves and, and really pursue their dreams. And that is just awesome. And we sincerely thank you for being with us, uh, with our audience. And we know that our viewers and listeners are going to get enormous value from this episode. We'll include some important links in the show notes as well. So for folks who, who want to connect with Brittany, for folks who want to read the book, for folks who just want to get in touch, um, We'll make sure that you have all of that information in the show notes. And for all of our viewers on YouTube, you just saw a playlist show up courtesy of our amazing editing team. And that playlist is there for you to continue your journey of learning based on videos that we recommend that you view next. And so thank you so much for tuning in. And Brittany, thank you for being with us. We'll have you back if that's okay. We want to check in, see how things are progressing with your big dream. And perhaps have a few other entrepreneur ladies on the show right alongside you to share their experience and, and how you inspired them to take that step. I think that would be a great follow-up. So thanks for, uh, thanks for being with us and uh, make the rest of your week outstanding. It's been my great pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, where your wealth matters. Be sure to check out our social media channels for more great content. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and be sure to rate the show. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to share this episode with someone you care about. Join us on the next episode where we continue to uncover the financial tools, strategies, and the mindsets that maximize your wealth.